I can't remember a time when I wasn't in church. My mom would take me to Sunday school when I was very young, and by the age of 10, I was singing in the choir. When I was a teenager, I was confirmed and baptized, and then several years ago, I reaffirmed my baptism by immersion. So really, there's not anything magical or earth-shattering about my faith walk, but I will tell you, it's my faith in God that has kept me going. Several years ago, when my world seemed to become crashing down, God placed me here at Heart of Life Church, not by accident, but by His protection and His blessing and His love for me. If it weren't for my faith in Him, I'm not sure where I would have been. But His, He placed me in this body of believers that have prayed with me and for me and have helped me through my faith walk. So, have I got it all right now? No, I still fight battles. I still make mistakes. I still cry. But thank God I serve a Savior that picks us up and brushes away the tears and gives us the strength to go on. My favorite verse to live by is Jeremiah 29:11 from the Message Bible. I'll show up and take care of you as I promised and bring you back home. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you and not to abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. It is very humbling to be asked to serve alongside the deacon team here at Heart of Life Church. I thank you for this opportunity to serve you. That's a good man. That's a good man. Randy's heart truly does. He loves Jesus. He loves this body. Um, he pours into serving you in ways that you don't even know. And we're excited too about him being a part of that group of men who are going to be ordained as deacons at Secret Church. And so we're just reminding you, wanting you to be a part of that. Um, Good Friday is the day. Good Friday. That's, that's getting close now. And so we, we want to invite you. We're going to start about 7 o'clock. Uh, we've got a baptism at least we're going to celebrate, maybe more of those ordinations. We're going to celebrate Lord's Supper. We're going to sing. We're going to teach. It's just going to be a great night together. Um, want to invite you to be a part of that. Um, within this next week, we will be releasing all those details of the exact place. Um, I, I will go ahead and let the, let the, I guess the cat out of the bag in a little bit. If you were at Secret Church last time, then you're going to know how to get there, all right? If you were there last time, you know how to get there. For those of you that weren't, we'll, we'll start releasing um, exactly where that'll be, and, and um, all of that'll be clear, and we'll be ready to roll, all right? But I don't want you to miss um, that opportunity together. I want to welcome you to week four of a series that we call Imagine. It is a series about relationship, and before we kind of dig into this today. I want to talk to the young in the room today. I want to talk to those who uh, may be too young certainly to be married yet, but, but you're in on listening through uh, what we're talking about here. Don't, any, don't let anybody convince you otherwise. Um, marriage is for grown people. Marriage is for grown people. But you should start practicing the right things when you are young and single. Understanding responsibility, managing money, thinking about the future. Uh, for example, that, that older woman that you are going to be one of these days is depending on that young woman that you are now make smart decisions. Then, if Prince Charming never shows up, you're good. If he never shows up, you're good. You understand you're already complete in Jesus. But if Prince Charming does arrive on the scene, it also means you don't have to ride off with him because you can always make better decisions when you're not driven by need. It applies to parenting. 
Moms, I, I, I encourage you, don't raise your sons to just be your little boy. Raise your sons to be someone's man. Then you and his wife will not have to fight when he grows up and gets married one day. My point is, relationship development when you're young, it matters. And how you treat people now will impact how you treat your spouse in the future. What we know is that a ceremony doesn't make you a couple. It doesn't. The Bible says you have to have enough leaving and enough cleaving. That's what makes you a couple. And that means that it takes a long time to be a couple. It involves houses. It involves health issues. It involves getting jobs and sometimes losing jobs. It it involves having babies and even sometimes losing babies. It, it, It involves a lot of life that either pulls you together or pushes you apart. It's like a hinge. It becomes something really, really good or it becomes something really, really bad. To to not be pushed apart, you got to learn to talk. You got to learn to communicate. But sometimes the thing that we don't communicate well when we're telling you to communicate is to understand that sometimes men and women, husbands and wives, don't speak the same language. Now, we say the same words. It's just different language. Let me see if I can paint that picture for you. Let's say that uh, the weather's getting nice. Moving into the 70s, everybody's coming out of hibernation, and a couple decides it's time to get away for a couple of days. Does that sound good? Does that sound good? Time to get away for a couple of days, right? Just you and me. And so one of them comes up with the idea, and they decide, yeah, it's time to get away. And I I think most of the time, both of them are going to think this is going to be good because this is a time to catch up. Problem is, for her, when she hears it's time to catch up, she might think something like, because she's thinking there's no work, there's no kids, we, we, we don't, we're not going to cook, we're going to catch up. He might not think that's what catch up means. He might be thinking, we're going to catch up. We're going to catch up. I mean, don't get me wrong, things are good, right? But, but life's just busy, and there's always demands. And every once in a while, you got to get away and catch up, right? We're going we gonna to catch up. We, we might even make some installments up in this place, right? We, we, we're going to catch up. So here's my point. They both get on the plane, and they are both excited about being away for a couple of days and catching up, and they arrive at their destination, and she sleeps, and he's mad. She doesn't know he's mad. She wants him to be asleep too. He's thinking, I could be asleep if we would catch up a little bit. Here's my point. We imagine different pictures, don't we? I'm having a little fun with that, but the point is this can be scattered all throughout your life. We, we, we at times use even the same words, but we have different visions, and they become di-vision. She's happy because her vision is coming true, just like she imagined. He's disappointed, not, not just because she's asleep, but because what he imagined is not coming true. And get this, he didn't even tell her. He didn't even tell her what he imagined. Can I, can, I, can I tell you that as I have talked to men through the years, I have discovered that a lot of men are angry with their wives about things that they've never actually told them. But he thinks, you should have known because I said, let's get away for a couple of days. You should have known because I said, It'll be a good time to catch up, which then makes him think, I told you. 
So you did that on purpose. You're ignoring me on purpose. I don't trust you to have fun anymore. I don't want to take you on vacation. He passes judgment on her, and she was never invited to the court. He did it all in his head. Now, again, come on, I'm trying to have a little fun with this, but the truth is, if they don't learn how to handle that, something as simple as going on a trip together is going to turn into her seeing his fantasy fulfilled as work. And now she's thinking, I got this to do too? And as a man, he doesn't want this if it comes from that place. And he can tell if it's coming from that place. The reason that the vacation is a microcosm for so many lives. The reason why couples can feel so disconnected is due to this slow, agonizing death of what we imagined. What we had in our mind was not the same. And what should have been fun a couple of days away has now become a war. What should have been fun, a life together, has now become a war. Can both expectations be met? Absolutely they could. But what we've learned in this series is that it doesn't happen the way we often think it happens. If you've walked through this study with us, you know the answer. You, you know the answer, and it's not something that we made up. I didn't come up with this. We get this from the guy that we trust more than anybody else anywhere. His name is Jesus, and we have tried to anchor this thing on two primary scripture that both the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter got from Jesus and then very accurately help appropriate to us. Here, here's, here's what he says. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, the Apostle Paul says, Submit. That's our word. We're not scared of that anymore. Submit to one another. It's mutual. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then Apostle Peter comes along, and this is the way he says it in 1 Peter chapter 5. All of you clothe yourselves with humility. Same image as that word submission. Clothe yourselves, put on humility. You're choosing to be humble toward who? One another. All throughout Scripture, this is a mutual thing. When we both choose to be humble, when we both choose to submit, we have said it is a race to the back of the line in order to put the other one first. It is not compromise. Because compromise ends up with the kind of thinking of, okay, here's what you get, here's what I get. If we do this, then we do this. And when you start compromising, it becomes a you owe me and a I owe you, and suddenly debts are built, and when debts are in place, there is no gratitude and there is no trust. It's not a tug of war anymore. That's what exists in so many marriages, but instead in this series, we're deciding to drop the rope and say, I'm not going to play this game with you anymore because control is not how trust is built. Control is not how trust is built. And so out of that, today... Today I'm just going to talk to you. Today is one of those days that I want to just try to be really practical out of the foundation that Jesus has given us. I'm going to stir some different things today. Um, what, what I'm stirring comes out of the benefit of giving, getting to do this for a number of years where I get to talk to a lot of men and a lot of women. And after a while, you get to talk to so many people that you kind of can start to, to, to 
to categorize and put together some of the main things that you hear in terms of the war that takes place with couples. You start to understand a little bit how, how many men think and how women think, and, and then you can speak about it, and nobody's getting picked on because it, it's such a broad, wide picture of, of how many people struggle in those areas. So today, that's, that's what I want to do. I know that as I say some of these things today, there's always like 11 more sides to a story that you have. I would love to talk to you about those. We would love to talk to you about those. I would love for so many people to want to talk about their marriages getting stronger that, that I can't do all that so that, so that we need uh, several people who can help us do that. But I, I want it to stir some things in you and at least make you want to fight for what's worth fighting for. So here's the first challenge. And you know with me, the first challenge is always gonna go to the gentleman. It just is. The first challenge goes, go, first challenge goes to the gentleman and it is simply this. Gentlemen, invest in her. Invest in her. In the context of this call for us to submit to one another, in the context of this call to be humble toward one another, run into the back of the line to put her first, gentlemen, invest in her. One of the things that I hear, and this is over lots of years of having conversations and, and guys who will finally be honest enough to have conversations with me, it goes kind of like this. Sometimes the words are a little different, but this is how I would categorize it. Pastor? I married my girlfriend, and I ended up with my wife. I married my girlfriend, and I ended up with my wife. And when I ask what that means, they say, well, honestly, back when, back when like, we were dating and when we got married, she would laugh. She would laugh, and she was, she was like a little bit, you know, crazy, kind of spontaneous and and she would flirt with me a little bit, and we would, we would just have fun together. What happens? Life pushes her to wife. It's called work. It's called bills. It's called kids. It's called homework. It's called dinner. It's called got to get to Walmart before the pharmacy closes. It's life pushes her to wife, but he's standing around going, where is she? Where is she? I'm looking for her even if I find her in someone else. As a man, I need to grow up. <laughs> As a man, you need to grow up with her. But I understand that you're saying, I made those promises to my girlfriend. And this woman I'm looking at, I'm saying, who are you? Who are you? Sometimes guys end up cheating with who she used to be. The church... I'm convinced, doesn't really talk about this stuff enough. We don't. We tell people stay together. <laughs> we tell people stay together, but we don't talk about this stuff enough. We just kind of wait till the house blows up, and then we intercede. And guys, I'm being honest today. I hear a lot of guys going, I don't want intercession. I want my girlfriend back. Gentlemen, she's still in there. She's still in there. And ladies, I am promising you that I realize that there is so much that can contribute to what we're dealing with in this little piece that, that there's just a long time with health, for example, sometimes can deal. There's so many factors that goes into this. But the one I'm dealing with today 
gentleman is the one that we really can do something about. Sometimes a part of the reason that she doesn't come out anymore is because you don't treat her like you used to. You don't treat her like you used to. What I'm about to say, I know what I'm saying, and I'm going to say it anyway. I'm challenging you, gentlemen, to stop just making night deposits and start to invest in her. I know what I said, and I meant what I said. I'm challenging you to not just make night deposits, but invest in her. Like you, you know how to invest in your work. You do. You know how to invest in your work. You know the time and the effort and what you put into that. Some of you, you don't invest in your work because work's not like what you like, so you invest in hobbies. So maybe it's, uh, it's clubs, it's guns, it's cars, it's whatever, but, but there, is, there is time and there is money and there is effort that you put into those things to make that experience the best that it can be. So if you're going to golf, if you're going to play hunt, if, it's, if, it's, if, you, if you're going to you know, drive a car, whatever it is, you're, you're going to put into that to make it, make it the best that you can. Listen to me, for, for most women, and I understand that I have to categorize in some of that, and some of you are different, and I get it, and you can tell me all, that's what happens on the week following this kind of a talk, all right? I get it. You're different, but for a lot of ladies, space, making space tells her she's important. Making time tells her that she matters. Now, the thing we got to put together here, again, submit to one another, humility toward one another. We got to understand and realize that there are ages and stages to life and relationships. There really are. There are some ages and stages of a relationship where something is pushing in on that relationship so much that it takes an enormous amount of time. Like when babies are this big. Like when you are maybe starting a business, right, together. I'm saying there are ages and stages in life when you are deciding to go after certain things that it requires an enormous amount of time. Both of you have to demonstrate patience in that time. But when you're building all the time, and there seems to be very little time for her, guys, you, you got to remind her that this age and this stage, it is temporary. And we'll get through this. And together, you're helping me fight this war. Together. The problem occurs when it's not temporary. The problem occurs when the age and stage of life that keeps us so busy that, that we, we don't even have space for each other, it, it just goes on and it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. Uh, for men, for a lot of high-powered men, they find what they're good at and then they recognize that what they do, what they're good at, responds to them. I love what responds to me. It means that I matter. And so when I close the deal or I start the business or I stand in front of a crowd of people and speak, when I do what I do, sometimes they even clap for me, but when I walk into the house, you didn't even hardly look up from your phone. And so I respond to what responds to me. I will look to do more in my work 
because I will give myself to what responds to me. That's where I have impact. Men tend to determine effectiveness by response. If you don't respond to me, you are teaching me to stop. And over the years, over the years, we don't mean to do it, I think, in a lot of cases, but we lean toward whatever responds to us until we have fallen in love with something else, like our work. I watch it happen even in ministers. I watch it happen in pastors' households all the time. What we do is the church, to be able to be a part of stuff that God is doing, I mean, and, and, and it feels rewarding, and, and there is response, and so we love the church. And what happens in those relationships when there's just no space made for her it begins to divide, and what happens is he just starts to feed her. Here, 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 take this, and come on, enjoy, enjoy. Here, hey, why don't you, why don't you go here and have, and, and, and all of a sudden, he's loving the church, and he's feeding his wife. And if I'm not mistaken, that's exactly the opposite of what Jesus told us to do. We feed his church, and we are to love our wives. The church is his woman, not ours. I'm just saying I, I understand that this happens in all arenas. You feed her and you make night deposits, but you don't love her. You just want a response where you have not made an investment. You realize back in the day when night deposits were, were, were invented, it was for convenience. That's why banks did it. Banks did it for convenience. But in order to still invest... The bank's got to be open. That's how it worked. You used to spend time with her. You used to hang out with her. You used to run around with her. You know what that means? You used to invest in her. You know how to do it because you did it. You used to invest in her. And all the while, now your son is watching and all the while, now your daughter is watching. And I'm not saying it's every time, but sometimes that's why she ended up with that knucklehead. And we both know he ain't interested in investing, is he? Men, invest in her. Invest in her. Ladies, stay open. Stay open. He says, Jeff, that's the problem. She isn't open anymore. She's not open anymore. And the reason she's not open anymore is because I hurt her. I, I hurt her. How can I see her open again? I have said it that I'm sorry. I've said that I'm sorry 150 times, and she's still closed. And the fact that she is closed means there's no response coming my way, and it's feeling harder and harder to stay because I feel like she's pushing me away. Meanwhile, She's crazy about them kids. Oh, she's crazy about those grandkids. When they come in the house, she lights up. But she'll get to me when she gets to me because the kids need her. We're still together, we're each in love. We're just no longer in love with each other. One married their work. The other married the kids. And we don't even remember how it happened. Gentlemen, invest in her. Gentlemen, invest in her. Maybe like you used to. Maybe like you've never before. And when you're in one of those building seasons and it seems like there's little time, remind her this is temporary. We will get through this. You are helping fight this war. But don't fight me. Because if we start fighting each other, then it becomes war at home and nobody wants to go home to a war. Which brings me to a word to the ladies. 
Ladies, this is the challenge today. If you are fortunate enough to marry a Samson, what I mean by that is you didn't marry a mama's boy, all right? Mama's boys, mama's boys marry girls, they want to treat them like their mamas, okay? If you're fortunate enough to marry a Samson, then don't just be his wife, but also be his Delilah. You're like, I cannot believe he said that. I did. And the funny thing is, it probably is not what you think I'm going to say. When most people think of Samson and Delilah, uh, I think they tend to think uh, affair, they think a, a fling, they think something sexual. They just do. They, they think something passionate, Samson and Delilah. It's typically how the story is portrayed, especially when you get it on a, on a, a big screen or anything like that. And I'm, I'm not saying that that wasn't a part of what happened there. I, I do think that was a part of what happened there. But here's what's interesting to me. The Bible does not say one word, not one word, about Delilah's hips, lips, fingertips, or any other thing that people spend money on to look good. It does not. The, the Bible does not give any clarity, no word at all of, you know, outrageous sex, if you will, right? No descript, nobody's swinging in, yelling Geronimo, all right? Nothing. Here's what it does say. And if you don't know the story, she betrays him. She betrays him. But she betrays him, check this out, after putting him to sleep on her lap. For Samson, Delilah was a place where he could lay his head and rest. For Samson, Delilah was a part of rest. He could come off. You, have you read the things that Samson did? Have you, have you read the kind of battles that he was in? He, he could come off the battlefield and be home and rest. So he comes home from war and, and, and wants to rest. And I, I, sometimes I, I think guys are saying, I, 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 could, I, could, I could trust her. I could rest in her lap if she ever stopped moving. I, I, could, I could rest in my trust in her if I could figure out which one of her is going to show up today. But he wants trust. He wants trust. I have learned over the years that when a woman talks to me about she can't trust him, she can't trust him, it almost always is connected to infidelity. Almost always. Can't trust him. If I came home and said to my wife, I just stabbed somebody at the convenience store. And she looked at me and said, what? I said, I just stabbed somebody at the convenience store, and, and, and the police are, are, are on the way. She'd be like, you did what? Right? And then she, she might be like, well, let's get in the car. Right? We, we got to go. She might. But if I came home and said that I slept with the girl at the convenience store, I better have already hidden all the weapons because she will want to stab me while she's calling the police. Because when women tend to speak of trust, it's almost always an infidelity. When, when men speak of trust and when they say, I can't trust her most of the time in the conversations that I have, it's almost always an emotional safety. Distrust happens when his heart and his secrets are not kept in the bank of her love. And his feeling is, when I'm talking to you, my wife, I feel like I'm talking to your mama. When I'm talking to you, I'm talking to your girlfriend. Because what you have done is you have used my vulnerability against me. I'm not talking to you anymore. And now when she asks the question, how are you feeling, what are you thinking about, his answer is nothing. Nothing. Some of you ladies love Proverbs chapter 31. It's a fantastic chapter. 
I want to give you a a verse to consider, Proverbs 31, verse 11. It's not on the screen today, but you you can look it up. Proverbs 31, 11 says, the heart of her husband does safely trust in her. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her. I know what that means to me when I'm just able to say, you there? You with me? Because I trust you. And I feel like I can just about survive anything if she says, I got you. To heck with what everybody else thinks. If she says, I understand the crazy you and I got you. Oh my goodness. Consistency produces vulnerability in us. The more consistent you are, the more vulnerable we're willing to be. But if there is no trust, if as a man, I will pull my emotions and run for the border. And if you chase me, you will find borders closed. A guy can come in the house and not come home. And when you start living as though you're homeless, most people begin panhandling. His body is home, but his emotions are holding up a cardboard sign. Here's my big point today. And it has become just a big point of what I ask God to take our ministry and do. I want to see men want to go home. I want to see men want to go home. Gentlemen, your family needs you. You have this ability, you can create everything else, you can create a business, you can make money, but no place to really lay your head. Oh, I know, you show up in the house, but no real place to rest. Listen to me, life will cut your hair and you will die grinding at the mill. And that's not what you want. And that is not what God has designed. Right now, you eat the food, you watch the game, but you're not really home, not really, not like you used to be. And the truth for a lot of your circumstances, and again, I realize there's a hundred different stories, and we can talk about those as the days unfold, but a lot of your stories, gentlemen, she misses you. She misses you. I know, when you walk in, she gripes at you. But my point is, she doesn't know how to get you back. And it's kind of feeling like it's pushing you away. But in reality, she wants you back. See the intention of her heart. And if you're going to be there, be there. Go home. Realize, if you have not been fully present in your house, You've been helping other people to the detriment of your own home. And now you sleep in a bed that you can't even really rest in. Gentlemen, I want to see you want to go home. You can't wait to get home. Ladies, the big point, I want to see women want to go home. If you have a husband, you need to go home. And it's okay if you bring the girlfriend with you. I just want to clarify, that's you. (laughs) You got to say all that stuff in the day in which we live, all right? You got to clarify, that's you. Instead, Instead of maybe bragging, about how independent you are and how much you don't need him. I know you've done a hundred things to show that you don't need him. But what if you started to do a few things to show that you do need him? Because if you do, he will keep showing up. See, as men, we really do know you're strong. We just want to be strong too. 
It's a mutual submission. It's a mutual humility. Let me give you a secret. Most guys that I know, what they really, really want, if you just ask them, what do you want, guys? He, he would answer, I just want her to be happy. I just want her to please be happy. It's like, well, what would you say to her? I would say to her, you are beautiful when you're happy. When I married you, you were happy. Don't make happy hard to get, or over the years, I will stop trying. Make it within my reach. As a guy, I don't care about flowers. I get them because I believe it's a part of seeing you smile. I want you to be happy, so, so when you get those, smile. And if there's a better way it could have been done, tell that later. Ladies, when he makes those steps, smile. Be happy. Realize the effort that's being put forth. And then I promise you what he wants to know is that later you could have a conversation that says, you know what, that was so cool what you did. And could I tell you what would, what would also mean something if you liked it? Then you, you can make the adjustment and tell us what we actually should have got. We won't get it. We'll just get the new thing. We won't get it. You can do that later. Just choose to be happy. Choose to be happy with, with where you're at and try to make those decisions. And, and I get it. Again, I'm not trying to oversimplify this because life is heavy. There's a whole bunch of stuff that presses in. There's so many burdens and there's so many issues and there's so many sicknesses and there's so much stuff. But there's so much of life that is a decision to find joy, especially when you are connected to Jesus. Choose to say those things that, 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 that make you smile. I, I know uh, this is going to be, this is truly down to earth today, all right? Um, some of you don't know this, but as, as you go through life, and especially things like having babies, there are, there are you ever, did you know there are things called stretch marks? Stretch marks. This is so practical, it's crazy. Stop, stop always telling him about your stretch marks. Can I tell you, he ain't looking at your stretch marks. Stop trying to talk him out of being attracted to you, but if you keep bringing up, you will convince him. Just be happy. Just be happy. Whatever's wrong with both of us, God gave us to each other to experience his healing. And if that's not flowing, somebody is closed. Submit to one another. Be humble toward one another. Let me show you where that goes. There's a very famous passage in the Old Testament, the first part of your Bible. In Jewish thought, in Jewish view, it is, it is just one of the most significant texts in, in all the Scripture. It's called the Shema. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, it begins this way, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is, here's the word, what? One. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Now, this is certainly in a context of a day when people worship many gods. God is defining, he's declaring who he is. He is one God. He is Father, he is Son, he is Spirit, but they are one. There is this aspect of oneness. It is mystery. It is amazing. He is one. Have you ever paid attention to the language that God gives when he talks about a man and a woman being brought together. This is the language that God said in the book of Genesis, and then Jesus quoted it. Jesus quoted it. Several of the Gospels record what Jesus said. And this is what he said in Matthew chapter 19. He says, haven't you read, like come on people, haven't you, haven't you read that at the beginning the creator made them male and female? And said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one. One. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God's joined together, you can't separate. Can't tell you it's the same word. It's the same word. 
the word that is used to describe the oneness, this mystery of a relationship, a father, a son, spirit, who are one, there is oneness. That is the same word that he uses to describe what happens supernaturally when a husband and a wife begin to race to the back of the line and go, we're going to put each other first. This mutual submission that happens, this, this mutual humility that happens, when it, when it suddenly we start to, to love like Jesus has loved us, when we suddenly start to, to live in those ways something supernatural happens. I thought my whole life that the way I got what I wanted was to pull harder on the rope than you did so that I could control what I really wanted to have. But I'm learning from Jesus that when I drop the rope, he does something so supernatural. We become something that words can't even fully describe. That's why in this series we called it Imagine. And we highlighted the five letters that make up image. You really are made in his image. And come on, I, I'm, I, if you're single, you, you, you need to read every once in a while what the Apostle Paul says about being single. He says, you're, you're in a good place. He says, he said, I actually, this is, he says, great place to, to land. I'm not saying that a person who is single is something less than two people who come together as husband and wife. They're not. They're not. You are complete in Jesus. But when a husband and wife come together and then begin to live out this humility, it still shows this picture of oneness. Oneness. And it reflects the greatness of the God who made you in his image. Whatever's wrong with both of us, God gave us to each other to experience his healing. If that's not flowing, then somebody's closed. Okay? It's going to mean some of you got to forgive. You forgive other people, so I know you can yeah, but Jeff, sometimes it's so hard to forgive the people that you should be able to trust the most. I know. But it could be also be argued, why would you not? Why would you not? For, forgive the one who are, you are supposed to be lying beside. Make yourself present in the moment. When you're there, be there. Some of you need to get off social media and come home, like a real home. <sighs> Did I stir it up? I hope so. I hope some things to think about today, but not without hope when you got a Jesus who loves you like he does. Come on, we're getting ready to meet in a couple of weeks with the one who died and then got up out of the tomb. Your relationship is not too far gone. He rises things from the dead. We chose a song. I'm going to ask the band to go ahead and come forward if they would. And as they're coming forward, some of you have realized that we chose a song to kind of go along with this series. Now, some of you don't know that because, like, you haven't been here every week. So if you've only been here a week or two, you might have picked up on it. But for those of you who've been here every week, we sing this song every week. It's called Bigger Than I Thought. And it's a song about realizing how much bigger God is than, than we really attribute, how, how much bigger he is than we've ever really dreamed. And the reason we don't see how big he is is the same reason we find ourselves in some of the relationship scenarios we get in. We don't stop. We don't slow down. We don't see it. There is one line in that song, though, from the very first time I heard it. It was the line that gripped my heart. And I want to show you that line today because I think it is a part of the reason that some of us struggle the way we do in relationships. The line is, so I stop all negotiations with the God 
of all creation. Have you picked up on that line as we sing it? So I stop all negotiations with the God of all creation. Because here's what I've learned. Some of the things we do with our spouse in terms of when things aren't working out, we start to compromise, we start to negotiate, we start to divide it up and go, you know what, you do these things, I will do these things. As long as you, as long as you get this done, then I'm going to get this done. And you know what I have discovered? That's how most people try to do it with God too. And what people have, what they think they have in a relationship with God is really just this set of negotiations that you have made with him. And bottom line is, you think God owes you. You do. You think he owes you. Job kind of started thinking that way. You should read sometime how God, God answered those things. The reason I think God owes me is because I don't really have a picture of how big he is. The, the reason I think God owes me is because I have turned that mirror around and instead of me reflecting his image, I think mine is bigger. That's the reason that I think God owes me. Why do I think that? Because something in your life disappointed you. Something along the way was not fair. Something along the way you imagined God acting one way and he seemed to do something different and now you said, God, you owed me and you didn't come through and so now you don't trust him. And can I tell you, when you live that way, it affects every other relationship that you've got. When you live that way with God and you are keeping him at arm's distance, every once in a while you might need him back because there's stuff that's bigger than you, but down deep, he owes you, he didn't come through, and now you live life mad. You live life distrusting, and now that gets spread out to all the significant relationships that you have. For some of you, the place you need to start is the relationship with Jesus. The place you need to start is the relationship with Jesus. And I realize there's a whole lot that I don't understand about how sometimes he operates, why he does certain things, why it seems like he doesn't this. But what I know is there was a cross. And at the cross, he chose to drop the rope first whether I responded or not. He loves you. And I would challenge you. You want to love the people around you to the fullest? Start with your relationship with him. Let's stand together. God, I'm asking, I'm asking, God, as we sing these songs together in this moment, as we God, bow our hearts and our lives toward you that you will help us to see. God, you'll help us to see, to hear you. God, to trust you. God, knowing that you, you know, God, if we've been living life like you owe us, you know it. And the amazing thing, you're still here. God, I, I ask today, God, what, what is stirring in the hearts of people across this room, may it cause us to run to you. God, we need you. God, we want to see men want to go home. We want to see women want to go home. But God, so much of that is about being home with you. Give us eyes that can see. Give us a heart that can believe. We love you, God, for the way you have loved us first. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. We're going to be over here in the back, along the back and on the side. If you need prayer today, we would be so honored. Whatever we can do, let's go to him. I love you guys. Thank you for listening.